Good morning, everyone. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Joining me in studio is Eric Chittenden. Uh, many hats this gentleman has, but he's here today with his president of the Friends of Waterbury Reservoir um, today, and we are talking about one of my favorite subjects, the impact of wake boats on Vermont lakes. And I'm sure his name rings a bell. Um, as you know, he was the founder, along with his wife, Racine, of the amazing Cold Holler Cider Mill in Waterbury Center. That was back in 1974. How time flies, eh, Eric? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but we're going to talk about um, the reaction to the possibility of wake boats on Waterbury Reserve. If you want to call and weigh in on this topic, it is gets my dander up just a little. Um, it's 802-244-1777. Um, and I just wanted to say that the uh, Friends of Waterbury Reserve won a huge award last year from GMP. It's the Zetterstrom Environmental Award. And the Green Mount Power presents this award annually to a nonprofit, to a group, to a person who has um, done, uh, made some significant contributions to Vermont's environment. And, uh, the Friends of Waterbury Reserve certainly have done that. Um, so Eric, before we talk about wake boats, let's talk about the Friends. And perhaps, um, could you t- explain to us a little bit about the current projects that, um, that you were uh, recognized for and, and what you're up to. Well, thanks. Good morning, and thank you very much. The uh, Friends of Waterbury Reservoir was lo- the loose association back in the early 1990s, oh. and <clears throat> it uh, uh, we there were a lot of issues on the lake at that time. It wasn't used nearly as much, uh, but uh, there were some pretty big pretty big issues on the on the lake and and um, after a couple of years of of uh, going back and forth we ended up uh, uh the, the water resources board uh created a about a 2 mile 5 mile per hour zone at the north end of the reservoir on the snow end and about a 1 mile uh 5 mile zone on the east arm so it was just enough uh to it pinched it down just enough so that the water skiers could still ski. It just it got a lot of the yahoos uh, off the the lake. Since then, in fact, when we went down the, the, to the water at that time, uh, there's almost never anyone down there. It was not used very much, but the uh, uh, the Friends of Waterbury Reservoir kind of came back to life uh, uh, in the. Uh, about uh, 12 years ago, when a, a woman named Lori Smith uh, uh, took over the rain and and uh, woke it back up, if you will, <laughs> and she did a really great job, and uh, so uh, we started. Uh, there was a new board. Uh, many of those folks uh, have been on the board for quite a while, and uh, we now have an, an incredible group of uh, eight. Uh, board members and they're all very creative and smart and and, and the thing is they're engaged so they, they they step up to the plate what do we need to have some help and but we've done a lot of different programs um, uh, and our, one of our board members Sheila Goss lives in Stowe and she suggested 
about uh, four or five years ago that we do these fish line bids. And I looked at it and I said, fish line bids? Well, I was the biggest skeptic in the world, but they're used all over the country. Uh, fishermen use monofilament uh, fish lines, and uh, when they get tangled in a tree or you know, under a rock or something, they simply cut them off. And what happens with that is that wildlife gets tangled right. in it. And Eric Hansen, who's a loon specialist, uh, he said about half of the uh, loons that they uh, pick up that are dead or dying, and when they uh, do an autopsy on them, they find that, uh, well, of course, they see that they've been tangled in that, but they also find that they've been, uh, they have eaten the lead sinkers, oh. uh, the little half-ounce lead sinkers, which are now banned. And we have a buyback program, uh, so if somebody uh, turns in their stuff, they get uh, a little uh, chit to go buy some that are not lead sinkers. So uh, that's one of the programs that uh, we have. Uh, and the friends, uh, we do fundraising, of course, to, to, for the Greeter program. That's our main program, and it's an, an agency of natural resources program that uh, has been around for a while. But uh, uh, on our lake, on the, on the Waterbury Reservoir, uh, about 11 or 12 years ago, we did have one invasive species uh, that jumped on board, probably some hitchhiker from you know another lake, <laughs> and uh, it would. The, at that time, the power company was able to raise and lower the water for the sake of of, of uh, generating electricity. Uh, since then, there's been a lake stabilization uh, in place, and since that time, uh, the brittle naiad that was down in the on the east arm, and it was dense. I would go down there daily and pull in, in an hour's time a pile of that uh, stuff out, and it'd be about five feet high. And it was uh, it was just everywhere. But once they stabilized it, this brittle naiad does not like deep water. It somehow gravitated to the north end, so it's still up there, and. Uh, so we know a little bit about uh, what it's like. You really can't uh, paddle a boat in some areas there sometimes. You have to kind of push your way through those the, that little naiad. However, eight years ago, we bought into the ANR invasive, aquatic invasive species program, and we have some incredible greeters. This is not a police action. It's a meet, <laughs> greet, and inform uh, thing that uh, Leonor has created. And, and since then, even though lakes that surround us are getting invasive species, we have not had any additional invasive species for eight years. Yeah, Eric just Eric showed me we were grabbing a bagel beforehand. Um, they, he had a chart of all of these invasive species, and uh, as he just mentioned, uh, the Waterbury Reservoir has just one, but Lake Champlain has every one of them, and it was amazing to see this chart and how widespread all these little invasive species are. When I worked at Motor Vehicles, we always had to, the zebra mussel was the one we always advertised on the back of our uh, boating applications and stuff. Yes, you know, it, yeah. uh, it, it, you mentioned the Lake Champlain there. Yes, but Lake Champlain is infested. Yeah. And when an algae bloom uh, 
creeps up unexpectedly on Lake Champlain, and they ban swimming. Overnight, the Waterbury Reservoir gets inundated with the boats, and um, it's the it's the largest lake that's close to Lake Champlain. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the boaters, of course, live uh, between Waterbury and Lake Champlain, and they come here and they go back and forth to these different lakes that have, have these aquatic invasive species. And so uh, the greeter program, uh, I have to tell you, these are they've been a few have been with us for a few years they're they're just terrific folks and and they have developed these relationships with the boaters so even when they're not there uh, the boaters are getting used to uh, they want to come and get in the water so they they clean their boat up before they come and uh, but it's a uh, it's, a, it's a good relationship and it's working and it must we're either having great luck which i out, uh, or we're doing something right because uh, we have not had any additional uh, invasive uh, species interloping hitchhikers, and so uh, that's great. Yeah, it is. Well, kudos to to all of your uh, welcomers, your greeters. That's really great. I also wanted to mention that the uh, that this group has a fabulous. A boating guide on their website, and it's all about safety, motorized safety, paddling, swimming, fishing, blah, blah, blah. It just goes on. For, and seaplane safety and camping safety. So if you want to know how to keep yourself safe, check out this guide because it's – I actually read it yesterday, and it's it's very detailed, uh, easy to read, and excellent. We just mentioned the um, the guide, the safety guide that they have on their website – and on in the on the first page in the upper right hand corner, they uh, in right there for all to see. They have information about what they call the 200 foot law, uh, which means a person shall not operate any vessel except a sailboat or police or emergency vessel within 200 feet of the shoreline. Um, the distance of the shoreline to uh, the boats is a big deal in wake boating, and um, I've had. Um, this group, Re- Responsible Wakes for Vermont Lakes. I don't know who, that so, rhymes so beautifully. I've had them on this show and on my uh, TV show, and it is a big deal. And I was hoping Eric could talk about um, where we are with the 200-foot shoreline. Well, you know what? I'm going to change my mind. We should tell people what's coming up February First, is it that's yes, going that, to Elkhart? Let's talk about Elkhar first, and then we can talk about the 200-foot, the which would make some sense. Yes, uh, I, two days ago I spent about five hours up into the legislature because I wanted to uh, kind of uh, become acquainted with some of the legislators that are involved with this and what they're hearing. Uh, it just happened that uh, there's a spot there called the card room. It's not a room, but it's just as you go into the uh, cafeteria and the uh, Federation of uh, Lakes and Ponds uh, group had... Uh, we had a booth, so to speak, there, and uh, you have to apply for it one year in advance. Totally. So it's booked. It was just the fortuitous that I, they were there when I was there. So I had an opportunity. I uh, stayed with them for a couple of hours, and people were coming up, and a lot of people were aware and concerned about this. When it comes to things like the 200-foot rule, uh, that is uh, – that's – pretty much a firm rule that is designed to uh, protect the, uh, the coastline and 
and users uh, from uh, be a zone. It's a five mile an hour zone. Boats can go in there, motorboats can go in there, but they have to slow down to five miles per hour. And uh, the the rule for uh, the proposed rule that uh, is out there that we'd like to see to be closer to a thousand feet from shore. Uh, it was a certainly, and I. The 500 feet should be tacked onto the edge at the very least of the 200 feet. Otherwise, uh, these wakes will not have time to dissipate. Uh, 200 feet of that dissipation uh, width is is in the 200-foot rule, which should not be there. Uh, and the boats are getting bigger. This is something that, that we've all been concerned about. And I'd like to think that even the wakeboarders would be. We have by the, on our board two uh, members of our board who have uh, either tried or uh, wake surfing and like it. And uh, one of them uh, is a, a surfer, but he uh, would not surf on the Waterbury Reservoir or any lake that he could think of in Vermont. He said he goes to Lake Champlain or uh, Lake Memphremagog uh, or Lake Harriman, probably down south that are large enough to uh, to take that. So the 200-foot rule is there. It, um, it's not going to leave, and it's uh, been a, a good, uh, strong thing over the years. But who would have thought that, uh, that something like right. the wake would go out? And now the lake... The wake boat uh, industry is big and powerful, and it, the sport is getting very popular. It's growing at the rate of about 25% a year over the last three or four years. And it's a, uh, we've always talked about bigger ones. Well, the bigger one came out last week. It's a Tiggy, T-I-G-E, and it can, the boat itself can hold 18 people and, uh, and, uh, it's heavier than uh, it and it can you take more ballast. So most of these boats start the the old version, uh, uh, previous to this one. They started out about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars and go up to about three, uh, better than three fifty. This one uh, goes up to a half a million dollars. So you know that the average guy in the street is not buying these. There, uh, there's a lot of power, wealth, and power behind it, and. We're not taking a stand of denying them uh, use. I mean, there are places that uh, they could use them, such as Lake Champlain and Lake Memphremagog. But last year, someone came up with, with their boat and said that they got chased off Mallets Bay. So it's not uh, it's not just the small lakes. They were what was happening there is that they're going back and forth, and the boats at the anchorage, anchor the the, the buoys out there and there are lots of them were just flopping all over the place and people a lot of people go out to their boat when it's at the buoy and they just want to have a, a meal out there or a couple of drinks and not even take the boat out and they couldn't enjoy it so uh some of the wake boaters got chased off so to speak and that's the came right from a wake boater himself and um there's a another a doctor who testified uh, up on Lake, uh, what's called Great Averill Pond. It's almost exactly the size of the Waterbury Reservoir. It's 828 acres. The reservoir is 839 acres. However, uh, the, the idea that one size fits all is really not a good place to start. Every lake is different. 
and uh, and the regulations and and the, the fact that it's uh, all with a, it's a statewide rule. It, in essence, it's you wouldn't want people to come into your town and create your zoning. Your citizens know the town. The users of the Waterbury Reservoir know what that reservoir is. It's got three arms. Uh, there two of them are long and narrower than the main one by the dam, but uh, it's a. a it's definitely an issue. The between the Averill Lake is like rectangular in shape, but this doctor spoke against it. He said, "I have a big wake boat. I do not bring it up here. I don't bring it. I will not bring it to any lake in Vermont." So it was refreshing uh, to hear that coming from somebody who has every right to go out there with that boat. But he said it just isn't fair. Right. Eric, thank you for that. Um, just so folks know, we've been talking about wakes could be uh, four to five feet high in height. And you don't like you, you do with with um, with other boats. You have a you have a rope that pulls you along. These wakes are just like surfing in Hawaii. You just um, you can just be a, ride the wave without being tethered to the boat or anything. You just do your thing. And I just wanted to read a list that the responsible wake for Vermont Lake folks put together about their all of their issues with wake boats. And it says artificially enhanced wakes, which is what this is, that are created by wake boats and uh, wake enhancing devices can cause environmental damage degrade water quality, create safety hazards for people in or on the water and near the shore, and can cause physical damage to property and shorelines. I have seen some videos of wake boats in action. It's, it may it, forget fishing. It it's, is. It's, and forget canoeing and forget enjoying the, um, you know, the colors in fall, but you know, when you're quietly Sailing or whatever on our lakes, not exactly. And and the Waterbury Reservoir is unique in a lot of ways. It's uh, there are almost no homes on it. Uh, it's uh, uh, <laughs> I say that, and I'm the only one who has a home on it. So it's <laughs> good for you. <laughs> but you know, I try to comply, and or I should say, we've d- developed the, the the use for our family and friends. Uh, the state bans boom boxes at their beaches because it's they're interruptive. We don't allow them at, at, at our beach. They don't allow dogs. Uh, we allow dogs, but the, if the dogs bark incessantly, uh, our friends and relatives have to put a muzzle on them. And uh, and I will not allow. And I have a lot of relatives who would love to wake boat out there. If they do, I just don't feel comfortable right. uh, allowing them to bring their boat in from our place, and and uh, it it just isn't fair to the rest of the people out there. So on a busy day, the busiest days, the day use area, which is across from us, has up over two thousand people uh, using that. So it's a it's a major money maker for the state, and then the state also has the campground, which is another uh, not only a, a great offering and a great uh, remote experience out there, but it too is a, a great revenue producer. And the other thing is there are about thirty three I think uh, campsites, uh, they're referred to as remote campsites, uh, ringing the reservoir. Uh, these are 
peaceful, and people are looking for this, uh, peaceful places to spend the night, wake up their kids, and so have that shared experience. Now uh, there's a situation cropping up, uh, and we're getting phone calls from it that they, uh, you know, these wake boaters, they like to do things in the mornings, the water skiers too. And, and uh, by the way, Bruce Epstein with his water ski group, they are incredible. It's uh, They've been one of the most responsible users of the reservoir. And uh, But the wake boats... We have a phone call when the, when you, if you want to wrap it up. We'll oh, get good. To, yes, great. Right. We have Chris from Waterbury, right? In downtown Waterbury is on the phone with us. Chris, you want to talk to Eric? Chris, are you there? Or not? Yeah, I'm here now. Oh, I there. heard you switch over to me. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Go ahead. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Back uh, a few months ago, this uh, wakeboard issue came up. Uh, through some uh, meetings there with the state, and uh, they were looking for some guidance on people's opinions uh, related to this issue. Uh, it seemed as though the bulk of the opinions were to completely uh, disallow wakeboarding on smaller lakes or increase the limit of wakeboarding offshore distance. Uh, I agree with your guest there. I'm in favor of every bit of a 1,000 feet. Um, you know, what bothers me the most, and if people are paying attention <laughs> to what human activity has done uh, to our landscape and to our environment, um, every time we take on an issue similar to this, if we're allowed to do these types of things, they always get abused. Yeah. They always get, uh, we, always, we always seem to impact uh, Mother Nature and uh, our landscape more than was originally uh, uh, predicted, and uh, and then try to rein it back in afterwards is an impossibility. It's it's unfortunate that greed and pleasure, human pleasure, overrides uh, common sense and fairness. Not only when I and when I say fairness, let's take humans out of the picture here because humans always seem to get the fairer end of the stick. I want to talk about Mother Nature and wildlife. You know, um, back when I was making some comments there, when the state had their conference meetings, um, you know, where's Mother Nature at the table right. here? Who speaks for Mother Nature? Humans typically speak for Mother Nature, but that's not really speaking for Mother Nature right. because it's always humans first, uh, environment and Mother Nature last, and... Thanks. Chris, thank you for this comment. That's Some a good one. And there's serious a, uh, have, impacts. Oh, and this, uh, this gives me an opportunity to speak about uh, uh, Sheila Goss. She, Sheila's from Stowe. She's a, a true citizen uh, environmentalist, and and uh, she is out there. Uh, she, she paddled, I think, <laughs> 244 days this past year. And she was paddling, I think, on Christmas Day. That's how the weather was here. But uh, she's out there. She's taking pictures. She's a great photographer. She's documenting a lot of stuff. And and um, uh, she last year noticed a, an eagle that was uh, having problems. Uh, it was picked. It was brought to uh, a laboratory where they. She actually. The bird died the next day, I understand. And, and uh, when they did the autopsy, they found these uh, lead sinkers in, their, in the gullet. 
And the reason that the, the birds eat these things, by the way, is that many birds eat small stones to help grind up their, you know, their food. Right. And so... Uh, that way they can just throw chunks of fish down there, that gullet, and, and then the rest takes over. Well, the bird died. They found the lead thing, and then they did uh, sampling all around the body of the bird and found out that it had spread to all over. So the, about uh, four or five years ago, Sheila, she's always coming up with ideas. I, I, I jokingly would tell her I walked the other way. She's got another idea for me. <laughs> but uh, she talked about these little fish line bins. And they, they're used extensively west of the Mississippi. Big fishermen, fishermen areas, they use them. And down south, uh, they're in New Hampshire now. Uh, but these fish line bins... Uh, I was a skeptic. I have to admit, I was a skeptic, but I said, Sheila uh, suggested it. I would have built it. So I went to town, and I, I got the materials. I had some donated uh, to me with a four-inch of PVC pipe, and and they, they're very attractive. That's one thing I tried to do because the ones that I see all over the place, they're, they're, they're not that attractive. And uh, So I brought the first one down to the day-use area, put it up, and I was thinking, you know, it, it might work, it might not work. Well, I went back the end of the day, and there was stuff in there, and I was uh, I was uh, enthusiastic about it after that. So we made quite a few. We got about the one at every other, all the boat launches. We positioned them so that when someone is um, bring, putting their boat into the water, uh, they'll see it, and the fishermen are very responsive. We're getting some great comments from them, and they're thanking us, and and um, so we, uh, on a weekly basis, we pull all of the stuff out and we're saving it in boxes. We have an artist who wants to uh, make something creative out of these monofilament fish lines. The qu- question that comes up with them uh, that are collecting those monofilament, the monofilament fish lines is that people wonder why we just can't throw them in the trash and, and, and get rid of them that way. Well, if you've seen a trash truck emptying its load in the dumps, uh, there are hundreds of birds flocking around those things, oh, nice. and they just get tangled up in this, and not just birds, but some pretty big wildlife. This is very tough stuff, this monofilament line, and uh, they get tangled up, and uh, you'll see... You'll see, you'll find them along the shores and, and, uh, so that's the reason you really don't want to, um, just throw them in the trash. You want to actually recycle them. Easy for you to say monofilament. That was, I was yeah. struggling with that and word a few, at home. A few F's and O's there. <laughs> what? That, uh, <laughs> Try saying that after a couple of brews. Anyway, I wanted to follow up uh, also with Chris's comments. Uh, the rules for wake boat use are, we don't have any right now. To, um, just sort of, Trans, just sort of reference, but not really uh, rules specific for wake boat. It's coming before LCAR, which is the Legislative Rules Committee, uh, and it's through the Agency of Natural Resources, Chris. It's the group that's supposed to be looking at the environment, and, and I must kudos to Oliver Pearson, who at the time was, was running all of these public hearings. He, I, I tuned in on one on Zoom, and there were hundreds Hundreds of people in person up at um, um, Greensboro, the um, art center up there. Uh, forget oh, yeah. their name. Sorry, David Kelly. He's going to be mad at me. Um, anyway, I um, uh, there were hundreds on Zoom with me, and you can comment 
the the um, rules, the draft rules, and don't be afraid. It's 300 pages, so don't have a heart attack here. But many of the pages at the end are, are they've documented the comments that all these people have said. So it's not as onerous. I think there's eight, actually 88 pages. I copied it out last night. Um, just to to look at what's there, you can write to Elcar at the State House, uh, the, and you can go to the hearing. I don't know where they're going to have this because the room in the, off the cafeteria is very cozy. But it's February first, and I'll be there, and I hope you'll be there too. Um, it's going to be at room uh, two six seven in the pavilion. Oh, so perfect in the basement. Yeah, Excellent. And there's um, there's and so there's uh, lots uh, of people. Yeah, if there's, it's not a huge room, but uh, they people stand in the hallway to talk. Right. But but the the I just found out the a couple of days ago when I was up there that you can make your comments by Zoom. Oh, and, perfect. Uh, Charlene Dindo was uh, in charge of that, but uh, uh, I asked Charlene uh, how many people are talking about this and trying to you know figure out what I need to do. Well, you can. Uh, we are going to put a, a notice out online, the Friends Good. of Waterbury Reservoir, in the Front Porch Forum, so people can look at that and they'll, they'll we'll have some. Because I'm sure you're going to have to sign up in advance if you want to speak. Yes, That's you how have they to do. sign up uh, by by um, three days before, by right. noon on the 29th. Right. You have to Thank sign you. up, and they will shut it off like a knife. So it's yeah. best to you know do it now and just get, right. you know you know get that part done so you can. Uh, way in. And it's also best to follow up your um, written, te- I mean, your verbal testimony with, in writing. Yes. So that you can submit what you've said in writing and they've got, they've got, they've listened to you and they can read what you have to say. So uh, I'm glad to know that. Thank you, Eric. That's great. I wanted to paint a little picture of wake boats because we were talking about uh, boats that carry uh, invasive species back and forth and wake boats are a prime prime reason for this they are huge and in order to make these four or five feet waves they almost tip up straight i mean they're the ballast is so heavy on the back end that when they gun the motors it it raises the boat up so that from a safety perspective you can't see in front of you so if there's people or whatever uh, you know things that you go bump in the night You'll find out the hard way. And plus the ballast can't be, let me see if I get this, it can't be drained completely, correct? That's right. And, uh, and it's a, this is a, a, a huge issue because, uh, theoretically, uh, well, there's this home rule they're coming up with. If your boat stays on your, the lake, uh, such a, and I'll tell you, the lake that we're getting more comments from than any other lake is Joe's Pond. I don't know. It's just coming out of the blue. I got a call from a gentleman. Uh, he's in Florida and called me up. And I don't, again, I don't know how he got my number, but um, he called up and said it has become a nightmare there. Hmm. So something is going on there that is because I've had uh, four people call in and one with their stories, a, a lady with her story about the, saving her grandson from being bashed against the uh, br- uh, 
concrete wall, and I was going to read that this morning, but I, uh, well, I've told you I'm a senior Isle citizen, so uh, <laughs> well, I, I apologize to, to the to the lady if she wants to call in. The number is two four four one seven seven seven. The letter was a little too long to read on air, and I would have yes, it's would a have little cut bit into Eric's uh, time a little too much this yes. morning. So it was my my call, and I apologize. Yeah, well, we have a lot to to cover. You know, it's a uh, the important thing is to weigh in. Uh, we have an opportunity, and I got another call from, I don't know, again, I don't know how Paul Smith in <laughs> Wisconsin got my cell phone number, but he did. Somebody must be uh, pushing my cell number out there. But anyway, he wrote a ter- terrific article uh, on about this whole subject, and he said, Eric, I want you to know Vermont is in the uh, – is, is, everybody is looking at Vermont to see what they do. Uh, this has become a very huge problem out there, and at the uh, and it's it's at a point where when people start calling in like that, and, up the, and another one called in from the uh, Boundary Waters, that's up near the Canadian and Minnesota border. So I've gotten a lot of calls, and there there are no calls from wakeboarders. I have not had one call uh, from a wakeboarder saying, "Hey," because we we say that we. We are a voice for the reservoir. If, even if it's a wakeboarder that calls, I may not be in sync with it, and we may not be, but if they make the effort to call, we will at least bring it up and give them their due. And uh, it's uh, so if you're a wakeboarder and boarded, you know, please do call because uh, we're not going to shut you down. During the break, we were making a list of things that Eric wanted to make sure he got out to you before we break in uh – Ten minutes, Eric. We can do this. So just list them right down and start talking. It's all yours. Well, if uh, one thing I should mention, uh, if the 500-foot uh, wake rule goes into uh, – is adopted, uh, and it looks like that is, would be the minimum thing that would get adopted, uh, the Waterbury Reservoir only needs 100 more feet. We need 600 feet in shore. To, to ban these boats, and uh, we're not saying no to the boats. I mean, I, I, it's great that people are, are water users. And by the way, I I'm the ultimate water rat. I uh, just got my 50 year certificate, licensed uh, as a deck officer on American merchant ships, and uh, so I was, I retired. Uh, a license, uh, to, I hold a captain's license uh, for the largest ships in the world, like the one that got stuck in the Suez Canal. Oh. So, and we used to carry a lot of stuff there. They very strict rules, by the way, on these invasive species. We had to be two miles, uh, two hundred miles offshore, to get rid of any uh, in ballast. Wow. If we want, they, and it's all documented very carefully and. Ships get sued if it's not 200 miles. So anyway, we also have, we want to make, make sure we get we talk about uh, uh, the the areas. How, how are we going to monitor? How are we going to govern uh, these boats if uh, we don't have buoys that that lay out? If, so somebody sees somebody, uh, but they feel is a few hundred feet inside of those things towards shore. You can at least take a picture and see how far they are away from the buoy. Uh, and there's the home rule. The home rule, I'm, I'm not fully, uh, 
uh, knowledgeable about it, but I can tell you that if your boat remains on, on a body of water, uh, for example, on uh, Joe's Pond, it's a classic, because there are, on that small pond, four, 405 acres, and it's kind of long and narrow. Uh, there are, I think, six wake boats up there, but... Uh, I, I, so, you can do it again. These people are very forgiving for errors. Believe me. Go ahead. <laughs> very good. <yes. laughs> I know. So this. anyway, it's uh, that is a, 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 again a big issue up on that lake, and and uh, we're talking also the home rule there. They that's a perfect place where somebody has their boat. They don't have to uh, go out and de-ballast and so on. If it stays in the lake. Now, I had someone call me up from downtown Waterbury about their boat and say, oh, they like this home rule because I'm not going to leave Waterbury. But no, that's not it. If it leaves the lake and then you're going to have to go to a certified uh, uh, place to get that thing and you're going to have to come back with a certificate uh, because they they want these things to be clean. And so far, what the A&R has uh, recommended, has worked for the Waterbury Reservoir, and we have to get, keep these interloping hitchhikers, aquatic invasive species, out of here because they are a – if you've ever been to a lake that has them, you can't swim very well. Right. You can't fish. Uh, it destroys the uh, native uh, plants and squeezes out wildlife. And uh, Chris made some great points about wildlife. Uh, we are the voice for wildlife, every person in this state. We've really got to to uh, protect those things. So um, the uh, on an early morning, one of the <laughs> boaters like to, water skiers and, and wake boaters like to get up in the morning and have the, and a great uh, refreshing moment on doing their sport. Well, the Waterbury Reservoir is unique in that it is ringed by campsites, and they're referred to as remote campsites. So a lot of campers are going to wake up uh, to uh, um, one of the the most powerful uh, music, blasts of music. They've amped this up to 4,400 watts, and... It is going to be heard far and wide. The, the state campground is people are going to hear it. So at six thirty, uh, be prepared to get that coffee going, because your <laughs> peace and quiet is not going to be there. I told Eric the purpose of camping yeah. is to sleep in in the morning That's in the it. quiet. There you go. Well, this is this has really been great. Um, I just want to reiterate again for the umpteenth time: this is not about doing away with wake boats. It is about as the group that we talked about before, responsible wake. That's all they're asking for. What is responsible so that everybody can enjoy our lakes, regardless of what you do on them? And uh, uh, February 1st is Elkar, and uh, Eric told us it is in room, where did I put that note? Oh, room 267 in the pavilion building, which means on the second floor. And I know the the room... um, there's some places that you can hang out and, and listen. I will certainly try to be there because this is a big issue. And um, it's about finding the right balance. Yes. And if, if if you would, we will be putting something out in the Front Porch Forum, a couple of, of uh, list postings there. So we'll have the data that you need, where to write comments. But it's very important that you 
weigh in. This is a very important time for the wake boaters too. Everybody needs to weigh in on this because this is how this, uh, these decisions are going to be made. And everyone is watching ANR very carefully and others is they, everybody wants their voice and their opinion and to be uh, heard. So, yeah. uh, weigh in and we'll look forward to seeing you on the, uh, on, the uh, yeah. And this is the time to speak up because I love when people go, whoa, what's happening? Well, it's too late, you know? Yeah. After LCAR, uh, the A&R has the right to make the rules and they hold the, they hold the power of law. I mean, once they're approved by LCAR, it's just like being in the statute. So, uh, a little easier to fix, I must admit, but still they have the power of, uh, of the state behind them. And we have an, an incredibly beautiful lake. It is smart use. We have a very nice thing happening out yeah. there. And, uh, so weigh in on it. It's a, let's keep this place mm. special like it's always been. You brought something up and I, and we have about two, three minutes left. You said um, it's not one size fits all, and you're right. The way our lakes are shaped, the reservoir, they've got several different pockets of, of larger waters and narrow parts. Um, you Maybe you can't make a – because it, it says 60-acre um, minimum. Well, you said uh, your lake is – how how large is the reservoir? Well, it's six and a half miles long, but Good. there are two places by the dam, and if it's uh, only 500 feet from shore in the north arm. Yeah. Uh, but it's uh, uh, it it's just. Yeah. No, I I get the picture of it. It's it's very hard to make one size fits all. Maybe there's a way to to yeah. appeal. And to have people come out and and to look at your particular body of water, and it's and it's not just the physical size; it's the it's the location where right. you are and what you have in your area. There are a lot of lakes that have no population, no people. We're in a heavy resort area. We have to um, we have to take care of these lakes because they get extremely heavy use, but they are getting a lot of low impact use. Yeah, right. You know, and I don't know what the depth level. I know we we didn't talk about this, but they're recommending nothing less than twenty feet. Twenty feet isn't all that. Not much. All that Waterbury, deep. the deepest part of Waterbury Reservoir is a hundred feet. Uh, the uh, by the way, Joe's Pond is I think eighty four feet. Whoa, is the deepest pretty, part. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty deep, but it's only in one spot. Yeah. Uh, but uh, if you get close, when you get start getting close to shore, you start the the boat is tipped up and the bow is up in the air, and the uh, the, the the bottoms of these lakes are get, get stirred up. Right, for sure. And uh, we were talking about enforcement or lack thereof on most of our smaller lakes, and it's very hard because I think you were talking about um, uh, pile. What do they call them? Oh, buoys. Uh, buoys that uh, to mark where the boats can go. So um, there's a lot you need to understand about th- what's happening at Elkhart. Yeah, we have a unique thing too on the reservoir where the water skiers plant their own buoys, and so we feel that the wake surfers should plant the buoys and pay for them themselves there you go. if they if right. it ends up being. I hear way. that music, Eric Chittenden. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for well, your thanks, thanks for the work me. that it's you it. have done. This to, is very important yeah. stuff, yeah. and it's it's a it's a treasure that we have. Here. Sure. We have to take care of it. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Stay tuned. I've got Tess Taylor, who has a new job in Barry City. She's the homelessness and housing liaison for the city of Barry. Lots of stuff to talk about. Stay tuned.